Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer Today for August 5th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy never cease, fresh as the morning and sure as the sunrise. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God of all glory, we give you thanks that through the gift of baptism we have been crucified with Christ and united with him in resurrection. By the power of your Holy Spirit, let our lives proclaim the good news that we are dead to sin and alive to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our readings for today are Psalm 116 and 147, verses 12 through 20. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 27, Acts 19, 11 through 20, and Mark 9, 2 through 13. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because God has heard my voice and my supplications, because God inclined God's ear to me. Therefore, I will call on God as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I was brought low, God saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all God's bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of God's faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your serving girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147, verses 12 through 20. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for God strengthens the bars of your gates. God blesses your children within you. God grants peace within your borders. God fills you with the finest of wheat. God sends out God's command to the earth. God's word runs swiftly. God gives snow like wool. God scatters frost like ashes. God hurls down hail like crumbs. Who can stand before God's cold? God sends out God's word and melts them. God makes God's wind blow and the waters flow. God declares God's word to Jacob, God's statutes and ordinances to Israel. God has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know God's ordinances. 
Praise the Lord. 2 Samuel 11, 1-27 In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon, when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to fetch her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now, she was purifying herself after her period. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out to the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the, house, of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, You have just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark of the Israel and Judah remain in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in an open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today, also and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence and made him drunk. In the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servant of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. As Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew where there were valiant warriors. The men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite was killed as well. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting, and he instructed the messenger, When you have finished telling the king all the news about the fighting, then, if the king's anger rises, and if he says to you, Why did you go so near the city to fight? Did you not know that you would sh they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerubbaal? Did not a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall, so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead too. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had said to him. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. 
Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this matter trouble you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Press your attack on the city and overthrow it, and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentation for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Our second reading is from Acts 19, 11 through 20. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the men with the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, everyone was awestruck, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Also, many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. A number of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come to 50,000 silver coins. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were ta- talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell, or ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Then they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is it written about the Son of Man that he is to go through many sufferings and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written about him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Big stuff here today. Okay. So let's start with 2 Samuel. This is probably, we've heard this story. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. So David, it starts out with this very ominous sort of opening where it's the springtime and it's the time when kings normally go to war. But David is not with his commanders. He is not with his army. He sent them off 
to um, attack the uh, Amalekites. But he himself is in the city. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So that's problem number one. He's hanging out on his roof, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. He's a peeping Tom, and he sends for her. Now, let's before we get too far into anything, just imagine the, <laughs> the difference in um, power here. The king of Israel has sent for this woman. She is married, yes, but she's a woman. She has no say in this matter. He goes to bed with her. He forces her, um, whether she is a willing participant and whether her willingness is, um, you know, she may be going along with it. She may not be willing. Who knows? We have no idea. Um, And they have sex. Then she finds she's pregnant. Now, um, what we know about human biology, um, and because she was cleansing herself after her menstrual period, we know that I might suggest that this was not the only time that this happened um, because of her conception and you know how cycles work and all that sort of stuff. It's probably not the only time, but there you go. Anyways, so she's pregnant. Now David is in trouble. So what does he do? He tries to cover it up. He sends for her husband, Uriah. Um, he comes back to give sort of a, a report on what's going on in the, with the battle. David doesn't really care about that. He says, go ahead and go on home to your wife. He doesn't. Uriah sleeps at the doorway of David's house along with the servants. David gets him up in the morning and says, hey, why, why didn't you go back to your home? And Uriah, who is a Hittite, not a Jewish man, but who is probably one of those mercenaries who came to David when he was out in the wilderness, um, you know, trying to avoid being killed by Saul. Uriah says, well, the Ark of the Covenant is out in a tent. All of my people, Joab, the, the general, all of my army, they're out in tents. How in the world do I have the right to sleep comfortably in my own house? In this statement, he shames David. Because David is sleeping comfortably in his palace while his army is out um, attacking. So David tries again and says, oh, I'll stay another day. He gets him drunk. But he falls asleep in David's house. He doesn't even see his wife. So David sends a letter off back to Joab. Now remember, Joab is the man who uh, killed Abner, uh, stabbed him in the stomach for killing his brother. Um, so Joab doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, whatever, um, a lot of honor. David sends him this letter and says, go ahead and put Uriah to the thick of the battle and then fall back so that Uriah dies. Joab does it. Um, he also uses this as a opportunity to cover for his own mistakes. He, um, he lost several good men in this battle, and it does not seem that he even won the battle. Um, he made some really dumb decisions, but he did get Uriah killed. And so 
he sends back a messenger to David and says, you know, this is all that happened, but if he asks about why we were so close to the wall, tell him that Uriah is dead. David hears this and says, okay. And after the appropriate time of mourning for Bathsheba, David sends for her. Again, she has no uh, say in this matter. And she becomes his wife, and she bears him a son. We'll see where the story goes from there. Um, This is not a bright and shining point of David's story, um, but it is a a very pivotal one. And we will see there's a lot comes from this. All right. Then we have from Acts. Paul continues to be in ministry and um, this one kind of fades into the background, right? Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, Paul is able to heal people, not even directly but a handkerchief or, or something that touched Paul can be brought to someone, and by that faith, they can be healed. Um, this is pretty miraculous. The name of Jesus is becoming um, more and more uh, lifted up. And in fact, we have this story of seven sons of a Jewish high priest who are in the exorcism business. Um, they start using the name of Jesus, and the demon says, you know, Jesus, I know who that is. Paul, I know who that is. I have no idea who you guys are. And beats them up, right? So the, the name of Jesus, uh, not just as this sort of magic word that can be um, pronounced and, and demons flee, but as this relationship that there's this uh, deep connection between God and this Jesus, his Messiah, and um and that that has power to cast out demons, and that Paul is connected with those. Paul continues to to go throughout this land, and and people are just the churches are starting up and and flourishing and doing really well, and so that's how we have in Acts. Then in Mark's gospel, we have the transfiguration. Jesus has told his disciples to. Uh, take up their cross and follow him and and has sort of warned them about what is yet to come. But he takes James and John and Peter up to them to a mountain and is transformed before them. Um, his appearance changes. This is very much like Moses on the mountaintop uh, where he is he's just shining like the sun. Um, and in fact, Moses and Elijah are both there and they're speaking to him. Peter has no idea what to do with this. And again, he likes to speak first and think second. And he says, oh, it's great. This is wonderful. Let's build booths. Let's build tents. We can set up a place, a monument. We can put up a plaque saying, this is the place where Jesus, the son of God, um, spoke with Moses and Elijah. And and God comes over and says, no, settle down. This is my son. Listen to him. Don't set up a permanent booth. You can't stay on this mountain. Listen to him. Follow him. Do what he says. And then Jesus is the only one there with them. They head on down and Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this. Not until after I've been raised from the dead. And they go, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, they, they don't understand what he's talking about, being raised from the dead. It's an impossible thing. That's kind of the point. That's why it's so amazing is because it is impossible. 
they can't understand it. They can't grasp it. They have no, um, no box to put that in mentally. They don't know what he's talking about. So they ask about Elijah. So speaking of Elijah, <laughs> why is it said that Elijah has to come first and Jesus says he already came first? They did with him exactly what, they, what Elijah said that they would do with him. They mistreated him. They'll do the same with the Son of Man. So again, we are the question to or the answer to the question of who is this man has been fully answered. This is the Messiah. This is maybe even more than Messiah, more than they were expecting. And now we are preparing for something. Something that the disciples will take a while to understand and grasp and under, and figure out how this all works together. So those are our readings for today. Let's go ahead and join together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the mission and ministry of the church. every service that proclaims your love. The people and relationships that sustain us. Our calling to daily discipleship. Signs of new life and hope. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? We give thanks for all your goodness. For the blessings that you give us this day and every day, especially the ones that we don't often consider. The blessing of our technology, of our freedom the chance to read and write, to to gather together virtually, even though we can't be together in person. Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Amen. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. Stewardship and healing of creation. Friends and family members. Neighbors in special need. All who serve your mission in the world. All people of God, for what else do we pray? We lift up an online prayer request for Rebecca. We pray for Lynn, a friend of Bill's sister, whose husband Jim died last week. For Pam, a friend of Bill's who's back home but has continuing health issues. 
for Rebecca, a close friend of the Marlar family. A silent prayer for a friend facing medical issues. For Mary, who slept at work. For Sandra, a friend of the Prices, whose husband fell and hit his head and died as a result. For Nick, who is going to be, ha be having a knee replacement. For Ernie, who is recovering from a knee replacement. For Barbara, who has continued health concerns. And for Sandra, with an online prayer request for her family and her health. Eternal God, our beginning and our end, be our starting point and our haven, and accompany us in this day's journey. Use our hands to do your creation and use our lives to bring others the new life you give this world in Jesus Christ, Redeemer of all. Amen. Now let us continue to pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the grace of God be with us all now and always. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Thank you so much for joining me today for daily prayer. Join me tomorrow for some more. Like this video, share with someone else, click on the subscription and the notification button, as well as going to our website, johncalvinchurch.org, for more information. Our liturgy today came from the Book of Common Worship of the Presbyterian Church USA 2018 edition. Our readings came from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a very blessed day, and we'll see you next time.